Infidelity is a tsunami. It, it just completely um, changes the landscape of the relationship. And the rebuilding is a definite process that involves both, certainly um, the taking of responsibility by the betrayer and the ability to um, express remorse without needing to be taken care of. And then working with the, um, and doing, being transparent so that the person was cheated on can begin to build trust. And then the other person has to be, know that in their heart, they want, they don't want to punish the person. They want to reach a place where they're capable of forgiveness. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, welcome everybody to this episode of After Betrayal. Rebuilding trust in your relationship. Yeah, it's a challenging topic, and I have a conversation with a licensed marriage and family therapist, Jennifer Lear. And we go into many aspects of betrayal in relationships emotional infidelity, sexual infidelity, financial infidelity, and other aspects of betrayal. We talk about privacy versus secrecy, which I did a past podcast on that you might want to check out also about reliability and what really builds trust in relationships after betrayal. And we all know how challenging this experience is for people. There's really no set protocol of timing of rebuilding trust around it. It is a real case-by-case basis. How honest people are in their disclosures about what happened knowing that your relationship is actually going to have to be recreated in some aspect, almost a new relationship, if you're going to change withholding and lies and secrecy and so forth. So let me tell you a little bit more about Jennifer. Like I said, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is the founder of We Concile, an online program for committed couples seeking help as well as an educator on the process of living, self-acceptance, and stepping into your magic life. And you can contact her at her website, www.weconcile.com. And all of that information is in the show notes for you. Okay, folks, another announcement. If you didn't hear from last week's podcast, I'm starting a new format for my podcast starting today. Uh, Starting as this one came out, I'm going to be going from every week loading a podcast, a new podcast, to twice a month, the first and the third weeks of the month. And stay tuned for the outro because I'll give you more information about that. Alrighty, here we go. My conversation with Jennifer after betrayal, rebuilding trust in your relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, Jennifer, thank you so much for, you know, wanting to explore this topic of, you know, after betrayal, how do we build trust? And here we are, two therapists helping people day to day deal with this such challenging issue around around betrayal. So thanks for wanting to venture with me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, what I have a lot with with couples is there's a definition that people have a hard time with. And one first is around infidelity. I did a podcast called Emotional Infidelity. Is it really cheating? And really dive into the aspect of integrity in relationships around the emotional aspects. In your work, what do you find why people are maybe reluctant to take responsibility around, let's say, starting with emotional infidelity? Why do you think that is? Um, That's a really good question because... uh, people do tend to get defensive in this kind of area. You know, people have needs and they're trying to feed their needs and um, it feels good to be, you know, flirting or whatever they're doing. 
and they aren't really uh, thinking about how it's affecting the safety of their relationship, how it's affecting how their partner feeling is feeling. They're just really thinking about, oh, this feels good. And they are holding on to these ideas that, well, I'm not actually doing anything physical, so it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. But it's a slippery, very, very slippery place to be standing. Yeah, it sure is. Because, you know, the one part with emotional infidelity, I tell people, you know, a lot of times when people, when cheating occurs and it gets into sexual infidelity, it may not always be about the sex. A lot of times it's about being heard, being appreciated, the attention and the emotional infidelity is the slippery slope to the first steps towards consummating that in, in a physical sense. Right. It, it is. I agree. And I also think that it, I agree that sometimes relationships drift apart or there's a lot of conflict and one of the partners is looking for, you know, more nourishment emotionally. And that's the beginning. They don't know how to get it. They don't know how to create that in their own relationship. And that's when they start often uh, dabbling in stuff that is going to create even more problems. Yeah. You know, there's one thing that I say is I call it the gatekeeper. When people say, how do I know I'm veering off in emotional infidelity? And this is my gatekeeper. I tell people, look, if you're with this other person and whatever it is that you're saying or doing, if your spouse was sitting right next to you, that's your gatekeeper. If you wouldn't say that, if your spouse was right next to you, you're going down the wrong road. If you feel really clear that how you're acting towards this person and what you're saying, that your spouse would be perfectly fine with it, there you go. There's your kind of like gatekeeper integral line. Yep. I agree with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes it real simple too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about for you, you know, betrayal comes in so many different forms. Uh, Betrayal is just not from a sexual or emotional infidelity. It could be perhaps my, my spouse is not supporting me when I'm siding with, or my parents are not siding with me and she sides with them. I can feel betrayed by, by my spouse in in this way. what do you find in the aspect of people feeling betrayed? Why that is such a deep seated wound? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to just bring up some different, you know, clinicians who are trainers. So like emotionally focused therapy for couples and the, the idea that, um, which, you know, I agree with that we need to create a, a space that's where we're accessible to each other and responsive to each other and engaged with each other and, or Stan Tatkin's idea of the couple bubble where um, Mm -hmm. we create this little bubble around the couple that, that means they're first. This happens a lot. Thirds, I call it thirds when thirds get into the relationship and the, the alliance goes with the third instead of with a partner. It's extremely uh, upsetting and disconcerting to that sense of safety and that sense of we're a team. And that to me, that's just like, you you just can't do that. You have to uh, make your partner first. Yeah. That feeling of safety and trust is what we all, I think, in long-term relationships or venturing into a relationship is what most people want. They want to feel safe being in, in relationship. And when there's a threat, like you're saying, this, this third person, this yes. alignment towards something else, then safety gets pulled out from us. Right. Right. And, and the whole point of relationship is to, to create safety. You know, it's a, it creates safety and trust and vulnerability. I mean, without all that, without that, the connect, you don't have a good connection. Yeah. So let's get into a little bit of nitty gritty. I love, I love to hear your take as a, as a therapist also, when I'm dealing with a couple that let's say first finds out about infidelity and finds out about cheating, there's a couple of philosophies in our field around the disclosure. Okay. The betrayal, the betrayee, you get to ask what you want to ask whatever question that comes up and you get to ask it in detail and want detailed answers there's also this philosophy of like "Mm, you don't want to go into the details because then that just gets ruminated in the pictures of you know where they had sex how they had sex Mm -hmm. it just keeps going on and on what do you find that builds more trust or is it case by case in the way of you know, when one person really wants to know as much as yeah. they can, 
How do you deal with that? Well, I, I think it's really individual. Um, and I, I, I see both both sides of that philosophy. If someone wants to know, you want to make sure that they really want to know. Do you really want these details? But if they do, I personally think they have a right to say, I, I need to know. I need to you know, go through this. I personally go with they have a right to know. And it makes the other person sort of own up to what they actually did. Yeah. It is a tricky, tricky area because what happens a lot is the, the we'll call it the perpetrator and the the perpetratee. I guess I don't know what we should call them, but <laughs> the one who is cheated upon often does need to know the details, and the one who cheated often doesn't want to share those, or may share some of them or share them once, and then doesn't want to have to rehash it. Like you'll hear, I don't want to go into this again, yeah. or that kind of thing. And it's like, well your partner needs you to go into this again, and they aren't done processing this yet. So you actually sort of have to go into this again until they are at a point where they can say, okay, okay, I don't need to hear this anymore. I I don't need it anymore. So I think it's, for some couples, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That part where you're saying that the person that was cheated on, they needed to, they need to hear it as often as they need for their healing and it's not yeah. up to the other person to say we it's enough i i've the, the couples that that the person who cheated said says enough already why don't you get over it i already said that they're the ones that aren't going to be successful exactly the couples that after years and years and years they're still even addressing some of it and that partner that cheated are saying okay i'll answer it again if this is what you need and yep. as much as it hurts the, the the truth because isn't it true for well, i see the person that was cheated on if they want to ask the questions it takes away the conjecture of all the other hundreds pictures that they have in their yep. mind of what can yep. go on they want to know the one or two ones so that they could go ahead and race the 89 of the ones that are conjectures right how do I put this? The person who cheated, it makes them open up. It makes them get rid of their defensiveness. It makes them be more vulnerable and it helps them go and express remorse instead of saying, I don't need to do this anymore, which is a defensive position and just doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. Defending and explaining never works in a, in a true apology, taking ownership right. and, and having yeah. empathy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, also love to hear your take on, I did a podcast uh, somewhat, the title was Privacy First Secrecy. And for me, I tried to explain couples the difference of privacy and secrecy, where I think we're all entitled to our, to our privacy. However, when it gets into secrecy, it's when we don't want somebody to see something because whatever they see or hear, they're gonna, we're gonna feel shame about it. I, I like, that my wife doesn't go through my drawers. That's my privacy. But if I have some letters from, from an old girlfriend that I don't want her to read, that's I'm keeping that secret. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a big difference around privacy and, and secrecy. I love my, I, I like to have a bathroom door closed when I'm on toilet, but it's not like, yeah, I'm going to be doing something in the bathroom that I'm going to be embarrassed about if my wife sees that she's going to be right. offended about. Right? Yeah, no, that's a good distinction. I never really thought about it in terms of shame, but 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 that works. I I, I tend to think, um, like for instance, if I keep a journal, that's private, just where I process. But if I'm sneaking around or hiding something that's pertinent, uh, that's different. So yeah, that's a really a really interesting uh, fine line and distinction. And there is definitely a difference in one is perfectly fine and healthy. And the other one is, is destructive to the relationship. Yeah. And unfortunately what happens when trust is taken away in some form, then privacy can be taken away to, in order to build trust. Like the, when one partner says, Hey, I want to be able to see your phone because all the texts that you were cheated on. Now, now that person's privacy gets defaulted where before they were given the benefit of the doubt. How do you work with that aspect of when the person that was cheated on says, I want to see your emails. I want to, I want to have access to your phone. How, how do you deal with that now breach of privacy? 
Right. Well, I would say, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you blew it. You, you have to build it. trust. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to build trust and trust means you're going to be a hundred percent transparent. And that means you let your partner tromp around wherever they want to tromp around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think with that, you know, what I consider what trust building is, is around reliability. If I, if I tell my partner I'm going to pick her up at six and I show up at six, I get, I get trust. You know, reliability is basically you, you, you do what you say you're going to do. So if I tell my partner that, hey, I'm not going to do anything that you're going to be feeling betrayed about on my phone, then there's an aspect of like right there, reliability. You want to keep seeing it? You see my phone and then I'm clear. It's going to build some aspect of reliability which builds right, trust. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm not it's makes it clear that I'm not hiding anything from you. You know, and I want you to know that and I want you to feel safe. It comes out of the desire for the partner to feel safe and that becomes more important than the privacy. Mhm. Yeah. And the aspect of of trust building, you know, that when I get couples that ask how long is this going to take? You know, like how, how long until our trust? And that question, you know, I say, look, I have no idea, but I will tell you that average, it could be a year or two. That's average. I have mm -hmm. couples that are still working on it after four or five years. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that it takes that long, even the couples that are really working at it to rebuild trust after a betrayal? Uh, why does it take that long? You want to know that the person has changed. If it's the same person, then the thing will happen again. So you have to know that they've changed and that takes time to see that they're doing things differently, that they rep repetitively uh, open up to you and care. And, and you also, there's a piece of the person who was cheated on needs to know that they want to forgive. Even if they're not ready yet, they want to get to a point where they say, I, I do want to forgive. I just can't do it yet. It, it, it's, it's back to attachment stuff where these wounds are so hurtful and so deep. They're, they're major, major rips in the fabric of the psyche and the fabric of the relationship. And you don't just tape them back together. It's a reweave. It's a reweave of two people. Exactly. Because in some way, the marriage or the relationship that people thought they had, it's, it's out the door because yes. usually, right, that one partner that feel that thought, I thought that our relationship was built on trust and so forth. And now this was going on. The perception of what the relationship is, is now out the door. So you're right. There's a whole new rebuilding and, and reweaving, as you say, of what you're going to create new in your relationship. Right. It's a, a whole, it's a new, it, you create a new relationship. The old one's done. What about mourning yeah. it? What, what do you, what do you deal with about mourning the old relationship, grieving it? Well, I mean, that's grieving your innocence. In some ways it's grieving what you, what you thought was real that wasn't real hmm. because you weren't seeing the full picture. It can also be grieving the fact that you one or both of you had a lack of skill and that led to this path. And I've le had less focus there and mo more focus on what the new thing is. What's the new positive thing coming out of this, but absolutely there can be grief for what was lost. Yeah. I, I there's times cause I know I've had grief. Everybody I think has had grief to certain levels in their, in their life. Loss is loss. Right. And I think that since there's no protocol around grief, it comes and goes yeah. that it can stay for a while. And people are constantly coming, you know, even when people are moving through forward, there could be all of a sudden something that comes up a shirt that reminded them of when their partner was cheating on them, a place mm -hmm. that they go, a menu that they used to order only that food with their cheating partner. Things pop up that, yeah creates another level of loss and the spurring of that frustration and anger. So I think that people have to realize it's a process. It's not just mm -hmm. linear. Right. Yeah. They'll get hit with it time and time again until it eventually disperses. Um, hopefully. Yeah. It was interesting when you said earlier about, uh, you know, somebody trusting somebody's 
pattern and understanding, you know, what they're doing. How do you work with people that they know that their partner has had a past history of cheating on other partners? Sometimes, as we know, you know, the partner that they're with now is the person that they cheated on. I mean, that cheated that right that, right. that the, the the mistress now becomes the the girlfriend and the wife. You know, how do you how do you work with the pattern for people to become aware of like, hey, you know, you need to change, you know, right. this, this can rear up again. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give you a really personal example yeah, here. There you go, Jennifer. Lay it out. Lay <laughs> so it out. My, I'm, a, I'm in my second marriage and my husband is in his second marriage with me and his first marriage, he did cheat on his first wife. So I was aware of that. I was like, okay, um, <laughs> this is not fortuitous or auspicious or whatever, but what we did a lot of work. We did some couples therapy together. We also did a lot of work together, just, you know, uh, talking and in the process of me building Wakensile, we did a lot of work together, but we got down into the brass tacks of what was that about for him? And for him, it wasn't, it was about, um, re he resented his first wife. He got a marry me or lose me when he was young. And he went for the marry me instead of the lose me. And so he went into that marriage with a lot of resentment and a lot of disconnection, their connection. They didn't have a good emotional connection. So he was out on one hand, acting out his resentment and also looking for connection, both. And so as we unraveled what that was, and I got to understand what that, because I've been in other relationships with people that cheated in my earlier life um, where I was cheated on. And it was not for those reasons. It was uh, entirely other things. And the care, you know, we'd have to talk about addiction and character structure and all that. But in this particular case, me understanding where it came from and, and us talking about it allowed me to come to a point to see uh, a place where I understood why it happened then and why it wasn't going to happen with us. So that's just an example of People are, you know, yes, we do have uh, ways of being that tend to uh, repeat in um, various circumstances, but there's also ways that we can get underneath and work with, well, what happened? Why did it happen? And how do we do it differently? And that's what we did. Yeah. I, li I like that. Like what happened and how can we do it differently? It's like knowing what the flags are, the slippery slope, yep. and not just repeat something un unconscious. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think it's also, you know, the person, each person to really understand how to be aligned in their integrity. That's, that's so, I think that that's so vital, you know, because when I think back, I've been married for, for 25 years and I had a relationship about three years in length before I met my wife. And it was a wonderful relationship that I had, but I decided to end the relationship because our compatibility of where we wanted to live and how we wanted to have our future, we just weren't as, as aligned with it. And so I, I ended the relationship, but it was, it was more about ending. And then in a few months, you'll move out and we'll do the final breakup when I move out of the state. But in that three months, in my mind, we were broken up. So I went ahead and hooked up with another woman. And in my mind, I was like, well, we're already broken up. And she was devastated when she found out because I was keeping it secret. And of course, in reflection, how much I was out of integrity and hurt her. And instead of the justification and defending my own story, well, we were broken up. You know, I could go ahead and do whatever I want, even though she's still living in my house. So, you know, I think that the alignment of understanding of, you know, living our own integrity is instead of I hear a lot of people say, and I'm sure you hear this too, whatever they they don't know won't hurt them. It's like, oh my God, that's such bullshit. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know the 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 aspect of yeah, that what they don't know won't hurt them. But look what your relationship is. It is not right. a truthful relationship. What okay. what she doesn't know will hurt you. You're gonna have a shitty relationship. Let's face it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Right. And also what I find is that when the other person doesn't know the whole story, right, when we're keeping secrets, 
then they don't know what they're dealing with. They don't know the reality of their relationship and they're not able to make a choice. So do you believe that the person that cheats in some way is a little bit of a control freak, right? They're not saying, hey, here's the reality of our relationship. I'm having this affair. Now that you know, you have a choice whether to stay with me or not. That person is not giving their partner that option. So in some way, they're controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And there's different ways to control. Keeping secrets is also a way to control. You're the one who knows and the other the other person doesn't know what's going on. And that's also a way to keep keeping someone in the dark is control, controlling the narrative. There's, yeah, control is a big red flag in relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that also shows up as we talked about earlier that if the person is controlling the narrative about how much information that they're giving when the questions are coming, as opposed to saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out. Cause I, I, I'm sure that you've experienced this too. But when, when I have that disclosure session, I really try to set it, set the foundation. I tell the person, you know, Hey man, like it, your partner right now is going to be asking you questions. I just want to put it out to you that you got pretty much like one shot of like really telling the truth, because if you don't tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth right now, and it comes out later, then it's going to erode the trust that you think that you built. Right. It's amazing how many people disclose. And then a month later is like, oh, wait a second. There was more information that they found out. Yeah. They're trying. It's a, I think it comes from, from childhood. You know, they're trying to, um, on one hand, lessen the blow. Um, and they're also, they don't want to face the full consequences of what they did and the feelings that are going to emerge from, from their partner. They don't want to face the pain and the anger and the grief. And, and, and it's this thing of, well, I'll just tell them enough to get by. And it's cowardly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great point, Jennifer. It's pretty much, I'm going to tell them enough so that the answer I'll be able to witness it. Because if, if I say what really goes on and my partner gets so upset, I'm, I might be so uncomfortable of, of witnessing their expression. So I'm going to instead control how they, how they express their expression right. because I can't yeah. handle it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's exactly it. It's like, um, yeah, I'm afraid if I tell you the whole thing, you know, we'll have a nuclear disaster. So I'll just give you a little bit and then we'll be okay. And you can't do that. That is absolutely a big no-no. What parts of the trust building do you work with people? I know that you have a process, Reconcile. And how, how I, you know, there's all kinds of different steps that, that, that we go about to helping people build trust. But what's some of your philosophy of what to focus on, what to understand about the process of rebuilding trust after betrayal? Well, the first thing is the person who cheated, if at all possible, needs to really disengage contact from the person with whom they cheated. Sometimes it's a work situation and it's not completely possible, but it basically needs to be dramatically altered so that the that's to create, you know, that's to change the pattern and create, start creating safety for the person who was cheated on. The person who cheated has to actually find their own pain for the pain they caused. Uh, They can't, you know, I'm sorry I did that is not the same as I'm sorry I broke your heart when I did that. So, and my heart feels broken that I broke your heart. They have to have find their own brokenhearted place that they hurt their partner, or it's not real enough to do a real repair. So they, and they have to be able to communicate that over and over. It's, um, and they have to be able to not only promise that they want to change and they won't do it again, but they have to be willing to ensure, like, the, how are you going to ensure that this isn't going to happen again? What, what can you say or do to help me understand that this won't happen again? And that can include, you know, we're going to talk about what I, you know, I'm going to reveal my temptations, or I'm going to talk about my whatever in couples counseling, or I'm going to, but it's, that's helpful when someone is really willing to do that. What I find that uh, I hear one of the partners say, I'd rather you tell me, Hey, 
I just want to tell you that I'm really tempted by this one woman at, at work because she's really appreciating me and and she's telling me all lovely things. I just want to tell you like that's a slippery slope for me and I'm really watching it instead of saying, hey, you know what? I got it. No problem. Everything is fine. I, I'm right. handling it well. I hear the other partner say, it brings me, I'll trust you more if you tell me what your vulnerability is than if right. you tell me everything's fine. I got it. No problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, because they didn't have it last time. What makes what makes <laughs> anyone think they're going to have it this time? Exactly. <laughs> you know, right. so there's that. And um, yeah, and there's, of course, the it, this is a, side, a quick sidestep, but, you know, someone might have a sexual addiction. And if they do, they're going to have to deal with that on top of, you know, rebuilding yeah. the relationship. It's usually not that, but it can be that. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually more attachment oriented. But let, then the other thing is, let's see what else is. Um, so once the partner's able to uh, take, so now the other partner, the partners have been cheated on, are they able to take in and accept the expression of the true expression of remorse and pain as authentic? Hmm. And, you know, hopefully they can, if they can't, they're, they're, they, that's a piece of work that has to happen. Not that they have to forgive or they're ready to build, to be trusting yet, but can they accept a true expression of remorse and pain from the cheating partner? So that's a really important um, step also. Because there's a big difference between accepting somebody's remorse and their apology than forgiving them, right? Right. It's a huge right. difference. It is a right? huge difference. And if they can't, what do they need to be able to take in the remorse and pain of the cheating partner? What did they need? What needs to be uh, adjusted or looked at or what's going on there? That's just an important thing to look at. Can I ask you a question about the... Uh... When you said about the person that is uh, revealing their, their remorse and feeling the pain, what happens when you have somebody that uh, gets too too caught up in their own remorse and their own shame, and then they're feeling that so much that every time that that's the place that they usually go to? Because I find that, that what that means is the other partner, the partner that was cheated on, now has to take care of the other person. Which, which remorse, isn't that right? Yeah, it's not about right. that. That's, ex that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, great. Now I have to take care of your pain. Right, yeah. Yeah, so forget that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you have that much shame and you can't hold it yourself, can't do that. You have to just work there. Right, yeah. so that, that might be part of the work of the person that has cheated and, and is showing remorse, that their work is not to make, make it all about them and their feelings. Right. And if they're doing that, if they're feeling shame around it, they've got to really work on it because they need to focus on their cheated partner's feelings, not their. Right. And they actually, it's a, it's a grow up situation. Mm. Like, are they that dependent that now that they've hurt their partner, they need their partner to fix it for them. That's something that really needs to be looked at closely. What is that? Where did it come from? How do we change that? Because it won't help anything except for you'll have this relationship based on the partner that got hurt continually taking care of the the partner who you know go, has a pattern or a character structure where they they do something that's um, painful to someone else and then they use their shame not intentionally manipulative but it is manipulative right yeah so eventually um once the cheated upon partner accepts the remorse they have to find a way of their partner. They have to find a way to trust that their partner is, is not going to cheat again. And some of what you have to do to ensure that the partner won't cheat again is to uncover what caused the infidelity to happen. You know, sometimes, and this is a place where I go, it feels like we have a victim and a, vic a victim and a, uh, you know, a, a persecutor, whatever we want to call it. But actually, like I think back to one of my earlier relationships where uh, I had a boyfriend who cheated on me. And um, in his case, I would say it was a sexual addiction. But but in our relationship, we had grown uh, up. There were problems and we had grown apart. And so what and so I was sort of blind. I wasn't tuned in to the emotional state of our relationship. I had a responsibility there. I wasn't the one who pulled the trigger, so to speak, but I was the one who, who didn't say, hey, there's a gun in this house. We need to get rid of it. We need to get on the same page. 
So even, and it's, that's a tricky area because you don't want to place the blame on the person who's been cheated on. But in my particular case, and in some people's cases, there is a, a sense of responsibility that next time we're learning next time when we start drifting or in my next relationship, when we start drifting, I need to bring some attention to this because this is what is the precipitating factor to someone cheating. That's right. That's adulting when the person that was cheated on also looks, okay, what, what was my influence in this? Even if it was 2%, I need to start taking some influence of this too. I didn't, I didn't cause my partner to make those decisions, but there was some influence that I didn't see that maybe perhaps I wasn't caretaking in the relationship. And I think that's the part where the couple starts to regrow and create a new relationship is when both yes. of them are taking yeah. some aspects of that accountability. But that a lot of times the cheating partner wants, wants that other partner to take responsibility way too soon. Right. But that's a late stage uh, thing. Yeah. It's not early. It can't be early. It's way too. Yeah, I agree. It's too soon. Right. Like I have some partners that say, well, I cheated because our sex life is shit, you know, and you, you never have sex with me. So I really want to address our sex life. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No. You know, <laughs> first of all, you got to really address why, why you made those decisions to be out of integrity instead of addressing what it is that you want right now address that before you made the decision. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that one's easy. Uh, I go for what pleases me and, uh, you know, you were having sex with me. I went, well, now I want to have sex. So I'm going for what pleases me. There's no, um, a bigger view of, um, the, the more, the moral base or the in integral base. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In that case. Um, also there has to be enough space. And this is often why people do do couples therapy. There has to be enough space for the couple to talk about what happened, why it happened and what needs to change. And couples can off often cannot do that on their own. Yeah. It's just too heated and too much yes. convoluted. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. You know, infidelity is a tsunami. It, it just, it just completely um, changes the landscape of the relationship. And the rebuilding is a definite process that involves both certainly um, the taking of responsibility by the betrayer and the ability to um, express remorse without needing to be taken care of. And then being transparent so that the person was cheated on can begin to build trust. And then the other person has to be know that in their heart, they don't want to punish the person. They want to reach a place where they're capable of forgiveness. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. To get to the point where they want to reach a point where there's yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. Right. Because punishing, you know, punishing, you know, there's going to be a desire to punish for a while, probably. Um, I mean, that's not uncommon, mm. but it won't, won't take you uh, all the way to the, it won't take you to the new relationship. That's right. It's not the right gasoline to put in the car. No. And again, and anybody that experienced this or has it in, in their life, they know that like the, the, the aspect of betrayal, is, it, it just goes to the core of, of people's lack of, of, of safety and trust. And, and I, I haven't seen anything that, is as devastated in, in people's lives. People deal with losses of life and, and, and illness and things, but a deep-seated betrayal, it's really, really, really difficult to be able to turn that around. And it's not impossible, but it takes a lot of authentic, radical, honest work to, to be able to turn it around. So I think most people know that, you know, we're not talking about kid stuff here at all. But it, it, there is a pathway to it, but we have to know, just like, I, I forget the name of that, the Japanese art where when a, when a vase is broken, what they do is glue it together with mm. some gold, you know. As oh, I've heard of that. Crack. I don't remember the name. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So they keep, they keep the, the crack there to, as a reminder of how fragile, but yeah. that, that it still could be repaired, but different than when it was whole. And sometimes even the gold means that there's more strength or even people could now have a more authentic, truthful, honest relationship. But that takes a lot of work of really knowing oneself and seeing your partner for who they really are. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm thinking about some of the couples I worked with and even people I know where affairs occurred. And, and I think one of the biggest obstacles to repairing an infidelity is when the person who cheated is defensive, 
you know, that's a big deal. That's just something to be aware of. If, you know, if you're, you're listening and you're with someone who's defensive, that that's something that has to be worked out or you will not be able to get uh, to that new relationship. Well, that's such a good point. I see that over and over when that one person gets defensive, how that just creates such a break in the progress that people are having. And it takes away the trust when, when you know, when that person that was cheated on know that that other person is just going to be there and stay and in some way like take more of the the hard pain to of what it takes to to repair instead of again like you're saying being defensive that that route i've never i've never seen a couple repair well if that one partner is continuously defensive no they can't there's it's a block in the repair process mm-hmm. and that person has to either overcome that or basically that relationship is not repairable in my viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm. it's a, it's a really, it's a really, um, I, who is it? Esther Perel says, um, she's the one who says, um, you won't have the same relationship. That relationship died, but you will build a new one that is better. Yeah. And which is really a nice, hopeful, uh, there's a lot of hope in that statement, uh, and it gives you a perspective of we get a chance to become uh, more evolved, better people, and recreate ourselves and our relationship in a way that is more nourishing. Yeah. I think I've heard her also say something to the effect of, I never would wish cancer up upon somebody, but I know people that have gone through cancer and survived it, look at it as a huge catalyst to creating more aliveness in their life. And it was like a gift, just like mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to wish upon an affair of infidelity in a couple's relationship at all. And if they're able to move through it, it really can be a catalyst for them to, to change their relationship for the better. Right. And both people can grow and learn how to relate differently because, you know, we come into these, we come into relate, we aren't educated on relationships. I mean, it's just, we come in with our skill set based on osmosis from our family of origin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we may have these ways of surviving. So, you know, you can take an example of, you know, somebody who their parent treated them a certain way and they learned to, you know, hide an emotion or lie or whatever. These things create patterns. And then you get into a relationship. Well, this stuff is already wired into you. It's how you relate. It's how you learn to relate. And in our relationships, we have an enormous opportunity to change and improve what a relationship is and create something very different from what we uh, learned by osmosis in our childhoods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there any other betrayal besides infidelity that, and we talked about the triangulation of bringing a third person, Mm -hmm. any other things that come to mind for you? besides infidelity that you see as huge trails in people's relationship that takes away? Yeah. So I think there's a lot. One of them is lying, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, lying about anything is a betrayal and different people are sensitive to different things, but more sensitive to different things than others, but not telling the truth is really, really uh, hurtful and, and it may not involve a connection to another person, but it still involves not being open to your partner. And addiction fits into that because that is a, generally a form of lying. The, the person who's addicted to something really is often hides it. There, I mean, there's just, I think there's many, many, many kinds of betrayal. Uh, I don't know, you know, off the top of my head, I'm having trouble pulling a bunch out, but, you know, it's the opposite of, betrayal is the opposite of, open-hearted, transparent connection. So if it isn't that, what's going on? You know, you have to look at it. What's happening and why? And a betrayal is the breaking of an agreement, you know, implicit or explicit that is considered vital to the integrity of the relationship. And when there's lies and denials that are, you know, people use it to cover up a transgression that can do so much more damage than the original violation itself. And so I think yeah. people need to realize that too, when it comes to, to lies. Yeah. It's just lying about something other than, you know, emotional connection to someone else or sexual connection to someone else, but it's still, which are also lies. They're just a different, a different category of them. I also find that what takes away trust in some betrayals is around financial infidelity. 
Mm-hmm. When, when, when people are not honest and, you know, holding back or they got the secret credit card, money is, is a foundation for people's safety in some way. And when there's betrayal around that, I mean, I, I had to realize I had these little, I call these little white, white life financial infidelities like i would tell my wife yeah check out these pants babe i got them they were on sale for you know for 30 dollars. but i paid 70 for them i don't want to tell her i paid 70 you know well it's ridiculous you know but but when i start doing more of that yeah you know it's then that's that's not cool it's uh yeah no it's out you're definitely out of alignment in that situation yeah i had another thought about that too i'm sometimes you know once in a while i'm on a there's a couple of Facebook groups that are marriage groups that every once in a while I look just to see what, what's, you know, happening out there in um, the Facebook marriage relationship area. And there's just the things you see where people are, where they aren't willing to like, okay, we got a new car, but now you got a new car and I'm going to drive it. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to put mileage on my car anymore. There's, there's many forms of betrayal and that's not actually a lie. It's more a manipulation. I'm going to use you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use you instead of sharing the responsibility and the burden of survival in this world. I mean, there, there, there's many, many ways of betrayal and some of them are more subtle that that would be in some ways more subtle Anything that also is a power and control move, I think, is a form of betrayal because it's a manip- it's a manipulation and it's not allowing the other person the f- same freedom you give yourself. That's a betrayal, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that a person can betray someone. Mm-hmm. And to, again, to turn some of that rebuilding of trust, whatever the betrayal is, I think another step is acknowledging your actions to your partner before and not after they find out. Oh yeah. And I think like that's, that's huge, you know, yes. even in all the betrayals that, that we're talking about. And when people are starting to do that, that's how, even though that person might not like what they hear, I, you know, sometimes I have somebody say, I want you to tell me the truth and I want you to tell me the truth. And they say, well, how do I know it's going to be the truth? And that person usually says, well, you're not going to like it. That's how you're going to know it's the truth. And there is some truth to that, that when we are going to be acknowledging our actions before we get caught, it's not going to be pleasant, but that's definitely going to create more credibility and more trust. Right. If you, if you only, you know, you only get acknowledge your actions when your hand is in the cookie jar and you got caught, that doesn't create any trust at all. That just means you'll say what happened when somebody caught you, but that's like, <laughs> that's antitrust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not, you gotta, you gotta be, just be willing to be a, a big, a big, a grown up. Let's be a grown up here. So I'm sorry you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar, but maybe you should tell the partner that you really like cookies and you can't keep your hand out of them before mm-hmm. it happens. That's the grown up thing to do. And some of this is about growing up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Not, not denying some of our, that we're fallible human beings and, and right. own up to it and, and work with it together. Yeah. Because you want to support each other in growing, not hide from your partner. So you, neither of you grow. It's like, let's be a team. Let's share. Let's see how we can help each other grow. I mean, that's what a relationship's one of the reasons a relationship is exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having this conversation. I've wanted to have it on my podcast for a while. People have been asking about it and it's a, it's a really good start. So I appreciate you wanting to venture yeah. into a really challenging yeah. topic. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. It was um, fun to talk to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you like before we end, what would you like people to know what any, any cool stuff that you got going on? How can they reach you? Yeah, so you can find me at weconcile.com, www.weconcile, so like reconcile, but weconcile. And that um, is a learning platform for couples, which we're changing into an app. So this year it will be be an app instead of a desktop. Um, But you can find me there. I have a blog there, blog.weconcile.com, which even has an article called Surviving Infidelity, (laughs) which uh, has uh, some of what we talked about in it and other things. I have a relationship quiz on the website. So weconcile.com slash quiz. And you can, so relationship quality quizzes, 10 questions, just to see how I gauge your relationship with feedback on what's going on. 
And so you can find me on Instagram at WeConcile or Facebook at WeConcile. And, and I, I do a, a lot of writing, a lot of relationship writing. I do personal writing on my jenniferlearmft.com blog. But um, yeah, that's I'm out there doing podcasts and writing and working on WeConcile and talking to people and all that stuff. So mm, good. Keep yeah. doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You too. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Jennifer. I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. It's a definitely a challenging topic, but I hope you got something out of it of knowing how to navigate the focus that couples need to be able to move through this really challenging aspect of their relationship if you've experienced this. And if you haven't, maybe some ways to not make that happen. Communication, integrity, speaking your truth, working on having a deep connection, staying with your appreciation, so many foundational aspects to not drift apart. Okay, and I told you that I would tell you again a little bit more, which I said on my last podcast, that I'm moving to twice a month. One of the biggest reasons is I need to free up some time. I'm doing my therapy all during the week and I do a podcast every weekend to get it out to you. So I need to free up some time in order to devote to relationships. Let's learn about it. That's the educational part of this podcast. So many of you have asked me how to implement many of the things that I've presented in my past podcast episodes. So I'm going to be creating guided audio practices that will help you in detail practices and skills that you can put in play in your everyday relationships. For instance, around appreciations, apologies, setting boundaries without feeling guilt, how to work through conflict, micro moments, so many more. I'm going to be creating audio guided practices that will be put up on my website for purchase as I finish them. So you can check them out at prepo.com on the relationships. Let's learn about it page. Okay, everybody. I know that we've had lots of rough times and I just want us to not lose sight of how important our connections are, how important kindness is, tolerance, compassion, We can't lose sight of our humanity. No way. Mm -mm. We can move through this and we can create the relationships that we want in all aspects of our life. I know that we can do that. And I'm here to support you on it. (laughs) Okay. Sending my love out to all of you. And uh, yes, you know, make yourselves a beautiful day relationships let's talk about it is a production of heartshare counseling and consulting pc of Asheville, north carolina for more on licensed counselor prepo teplitsky visit heartsharecounseling.com theme music by adi the monk this content is intended for informational purposes only is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy medical advice diagnosis or treatment and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.